welcome to Delapre, the Happy Abbey, a series of conversations with local people about Delapre Abbey and how it links to the well-being of the community. My name's Laura Graham. I'm a Northampton-based freelance writer and community activist, and in this episode, I speak to Trey Ventor. Trey is a Northamptonian. He's a writer, a poet, curator, and race and black history educator. He's also currently studying for his master's in race, education and decolonial thought with Leeds Beckett University. He's also, not that he likes to admit it, Northampton's male role model of the year. In this episode, we talk about colonialisation and how heritage sites like Delapri may well have benefited from the slave trade. We discuss how this impacts the well-being of black and brown visitors and what the Abbey could do to uncover its history and educate visitors about the impacts of race and class inequalities. Trey, it's lovely to see you. <laughs> you too, Laura. <laughs> it's been ages yeah. since I've seen you in real life. <laughs> so it's quite yeah. a treat to be able to come and sit socially distanced in the library mm -hmm. at Delapri uh, just while they're closed to the public. Yeah. And we can see lots of people walking past outside, can't we? Um, but it's nice and quiet and it's kind of a little bit eerie. I wonder if there's any ghosts in here. Yeah. <laughs> well, Northampton's famous for ghosts, yeah. Well, I yeah. mean, they're everywhere, aren't they? Yeah. We've got quite a rich history. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, it's quite nice to sort of yeah. be behind the scenes when no one else is here. Yeah. So I'd be really interested to just find out a little bit about how you use Delapri or the grounds, if at all. Um, I've not... I've been, only been here a few times, even though I grew up in the county. Um, but when I have been here, I've quite, I've, I've enjoyed like walking around the grounds and whatever, but I've never been inside. I've always just been outside um, in, in, the, in the greenery. So. <laughs> yeah. It's nice to be outside yeah. though, isn't it? Yeah. And tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, I grew up in Northampton. Um, when I grew up, I went to, went to school here. I'm a local writer and creative practitioner and artist. Um, and I'm doing, I started a master's in the, in the lockdown as well. Just as you do. Yeah. Because you've got nothing else to do. Yeah. Well, might as well do a lot of master's. Um, <laughs> yeah, doing a master's with Leeds Beckett University um, in race and education and decolonial thought. So all this, that school stuff on decolonising the curriculum. Wow. And learning about all the academics of that, that side of it. Um, which I think will be useful um, in terms of helping schools and, and whatever um, yeah, with, with that stuff. You do a bit of that already, don't you? I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying. <laughs> um, yeah, so I've, at the moment I've, I help institutions out with race education and that sort of thing, and black history workshops and whoever wants to know, really. Um, mainly it's been universities at the moment. Student unions picked it up. Mm -hmm. um, schools, less so. Um, but the schools I have had, surprisingly, have been private schools. Um, Interesting. Private schools have been faster to pick it up than the state schools, which I find I found really interesting, but also quite shocking at the same time. Um, but yeah, that, that's basically what I do. I write articles and poems and help um, institutions with race and anti-racism and that sort of thing. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, you do a lot, Trey. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think you're being quite modest in your introduction of yourself. Um, and aren't you Northampton's reigning inspirational oh, God. man? Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, I won that highest in October, November. Northampton's male role model of the, of the year 2020. Um, Congratulations. Yeah. 
and that was voted for as well by people, by the public at large. So that, that's really nice to hear. People think I'm, I'm an inspirational person. <laughs> I um, think you are. Yeah. I think you're very inspirational, Trey. <laughs> and well-deserved to, to be reigning, I want to say champ, but that's, <laughs> not really the, that's not really the wording. So you've been to Delapree before and kind of been outside more in the grounds um, and you live in Northampton, don't yeah. you? Yeah. How does it feel when you come to this kind of green space? If you had asked me that question before I went to university, I think I would have been less critical of it but learning what I have done about higher education and race and colonialism coming to places like this I find them quite oppressive um, it's not just Delapree I've been to other places as well like any abbey with grounds around it any um, the country houses in this country take somewhere like Orthorpe it's quite similar state of affairs I when I think of places like that I think about English heritage and colonialism. Um, I did a talk last year at Stowe School in Buckinghamshire, um, which is quite similar. It's when you look at these grounds, they're like landscape paintings of the 18th century, and it, it does give off a vibe. That's not very nice as a black person coming here, um, whose ancestors were enslaved people. And then looking at these places, like, it gives off a, a kind of air of superiority, I think. Um, that I'm not comfortable with. Mm. Uh, so yeah, that's what I think of it. But then as a, as a park, um, that's all green space. Outside of the politicised idea of it, I think it's quite nice to go walking around. But um, at the same time, to take these places outside of a political context is privilege, I think, in itself. Not just a race thing, but class as well. If I wasn't a black person, I'm still working class. Um, and these places were oppressive to working class communities so yeah and that's it's really interesting that you say that yeah. because that has always been my viewpoint mm-hmm. on um heritage sites like this i um was taken to them as a child mm. so my mum grew up on a council estate um but was very uh, interested in heritage and big houses mm. and just really i think she liked history more than anything so yeah. we used to go but it would always be sort of the roped off kind mm. of you know don't touch anything um it felt like you say very austere and kind of not yeah. from like anything that i'm used to and not about where i'm from so i've mm. i've found it quite yeah. difficult over the years to connect with places like this to be honest um and i wonder i mean we're not the only ones that yeah. feel that so i wonder what you think that somewhere like Dalapri could do to make it not feel like that yeah. for us? I mean, I think following the murder of George Floyd, a lot of institutions were giving lip service. Um, they gave, they said, oh, we're going to do this, this and this, and then they didn't, they didn't do it. Dalapri is in a unique position, I think, to actually be able to do something. And I would say, like, an, from an anti-racism point of view, an exploration of its history would be quite good. And if there is links to colonialism, a history project with community would be really interesting. In response to the murder of George Floyd, but Northamptonshire in general, because Northamptonshire has links to the slave trade that are evidenced, and there's, really? doc- there's documents and everything. I've seen some of the bits um, online where local people were compensated um, for their loss of property, meaning slave, slaves, enslaved people, after the compensation, the government paid out to the to the slave owners, um, and a few of them were local. 
I mean, and when I say local, I mean people that lived in Wellingborough and Highham Ferris, but also I, found, I saw one person that lived on Abington Street itself. <gasps> like, and these, most of them were bit players in a wider system, but this, like, they were still complicit. So I think someone like Della Priabri to explore its history, if there is a link to colonialism, look, look for it and find it and educate communities on it. Um, and paintings like this really give off an air of superiority <laughs> as well. It's, um, um, it's a painting that is probably twice my height. <laughs> um, yeah. And it's a, um, a young white woman, like upper, upper class yeah. woman, in a, I guess under a tree, mm. in a bit of a, a kind of, it must be on the grounds, I'm, I'm yeah. assuming here. And she's sat above the fireplace, looking very, mm. Mm. looking over at mm. us. <laughs> um, but yeah, that pretty. Northampton's not, uh, as a town, like all the county, the wealth is in the villages, I think, mm. predominantly. And this place, it, it sort of replicates that idea, image of village, <laughs> image of like village Northamptonshire. Because you go to Northampton town, then people are going to food banks and stuff like that. Yeah. And then you've got this place on the on the periphery of the town, sort of look, looking, gazing at that austerities type thing. Um, and it sort of reminds me of the, there's a there was a guy. I think his name was I can't remember his name, but he he, um, he 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 basically created this idea called the Panopticon, and it was basically a, a prison guard could look at the prisoners inside of a jail from a from a tower in the middle, and he could see what they were doing and that sort of thing but the prisoners cannot look back, and it's the panopticon. Criminologists would know what I'm talking about. <laughs> we know what I'm talking about. But, um, but, um, I knew there'd come a point where you'd lose me with your words. But, um, panop- you should, like, panop- it's called a panopticon. It's a, it's and, a great word. Yeah. <laughs> Not a um, great concept, but um, a great word. But it, that idea of oppression and the prison mm. guards could look at the, from a tower in the middle um, at the prisoners and what they were doing, but the prisoners cannot see them, and who's looking, essentially. And places like Delphi Abri, I think, are quite like that. To the, to the town that it's situated in. Yeah, I mean, yes. And I think my question around that would be, so Delapri Abbey itself, as I understand, was kind of saved from ruin maybe four or five years ago mm-hmm. um, and had a lot of public money, so money from the yeah. council pumped in to mm. preserve and renovate it. Yeah. How do you feel about that kind of investment of public money in this type of place? Well, it depends on what it's been used for to save what are you saving the es- building essentially like i mean and the types of people that who the types of people that come here as well like because from my knowledge and from i've come here before it's predominantly been white middle class people that come here so at the moment you're saving it for white middle class people so it, it, that's what that's what it says to me so if that's who you're saving it for I, i'm not sure if i'm with that <laughs> essentially <laughs> um because you're saving it for the privileged the powerful essentially so how do we get around that because i know i know delapri have have given out seven and a half thousand annual passes to local residents mm. in like briar hill places like that mm. so i mean i don't know what that means i think yeah. it means that they can come into the building because mm. obviously the grounds and the yeah. parking is already free so that feels like a nice gesture or at least you know getting rid of a pay barrier but mm. what what more could be done to actually make it somewhere that people would want to come? On one side of it, there's, I think that, that you're limited on who would want to come just because it's, from, you, can't, you can't change the exterior. 
it looks like a landscape painting mm. from the 18th, 18th century. And you, there's nothing you can do about it. The only thing that would make it more colonial is if anyone was playing cricket outside. <laughs> like, literally. <laughs> like, that's, um, that's, there's nothing else you can really do about it. But what you can do is tell people what you're not doing and take accountability, make yourself accountable for it. So, historically speaking, I know there's local historians who could be working with this place, exploring uh, its history of class, like class inequality as well. By um, when you've got this lady on this painting here, I'd say she's probably an aristocrat type yeah. uh, person. But what you don't see in paintings like this is how to have an aristocracy, you need to have class inequality. You need to be subjugating someone for that to exist yeah. at the same time. And one of the examples I'd say for people who want to see stuff like that, read Charles Dickens' novels, because they're not just novels. Mm. Um, they're history books, to me, anyway. Um, you read Oliver Twist, and you see the, work, you see the workhouse, but you also see um, when he gets adopted by his grandfather, who's an aristocrat. And for him to exist, there needs to be a very subjugated working-class poor. So I think historically, for places like this to exist, there would have had to be some sort of class subjugation for it to exist. As bad as that sounds. Well, it doesn't sound bad, it's no. fact. Yeah, it? it's fact. And it's, it's yeah. the world that we still live in. That's yeah. what capitalism yeah. is based on, isn't it? It's... Yeah. So anti-racism is also anti-capitalism. And historically, I would look at that. If there is a link between this place and colonialism or people that benefit from colonialism, I would want to know. It doesn't have to be slavery. It can be Britain in India, for example. Mm. Britain in China. Uh, Britain and any of those um, Asian countries that it once um, colonised, uh, Britain and parts of Africa as well, um, after slavery. So if there was a link between a person that once um, used this place and um, colonisation overseas, I would want to know. And that is a, that's a history project in itself. Mm. Um, take responsibility. And, and how... So... Because that would be quite interesting yeah. to see, but also then how does it become something that's um, worthwhile as opposed to something that is just, oh, yeah, look what yeah. happened a yeah. couple of hundred years ago? Like, I mean, you just, then you see how colonialism on a racial ground, so you'd see how, why racial inequality exists today as well. Because while slavery was abolished, for example, colonisation, they, they won the war on race. Because race was made, was created, doesn't it? It's a, it's a constructed concept um, but in creating race then we have racism and then then that's why that's why you see so much of it today because we're still living in, a, in the aftermath of that and we've not dealt with it properly so places like Delapri Abri could have links to that time um, where they benefited from the money inherited from colonialism and that's when you get into concepts which I won't explain now of, of racial <laughs> capitalism um, which in the in the American context you'd look at the prison prison system mm-hmm. where you've got prisoners making stuff for big corporations and that sort of thing back in the colonial times we just called it slavery where you'd have slaves picking cotton or whatever in the states and sugar and um, tobacco in the Caribbean and that sort of thing um, so what you're saying is that that places like this have a responsibility to look at the history expose the history yeah. in order to inform people today mm-hmm. about what where yeah. we're at and yeah. where we need to get to yeah I mean, I don't know whether Delapri has a link to colonialism anyway. It might, it might not. But I do know for aristocrats to exist, 
some of them may either have links to terror things overseas in air quotes yeah. um, or um, subjugation of the working class poor. That has to ha- one or the other it has to be one or the other, yeah. really, for them to actually exist and make as much money as they did. Mm-hmm. Because that fair, it's not fair. We wouldn't call, today we call that fair trade. It's not fair trade. So yeah, for them to exist, there has to be something somewhere where someone's doing some dodgy dealings. <laughs> dodgy dealings. <laughs> so, yeah. The technical term. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, you're dead um, right. Yeah. You're dead um, right. And I and I think I think it's it's really important mm. that that um, institutions mm. or if if that's yeah. the right word yeah. like this, um, you know, do just yeah. do the work, isn't yeah. it? Like, I mean, what I did find as well is that working class people benefited from colonialism um, or slavery in particular, not as not necessarily as slave traders, but from the benefits of slavery. So, what sugar became a commodity out of slavery, working class people, some may then have bought sugar in a supermarket, for example, and, that, and, and through that, in a, or in a shop, from, from the sugar picked by and sugar cane on plantations or whatever, and there's that link. And it's sort of a divorced link at mm. the same time. Because you, you, you never see a slave. Like, many white people in this country at that time did not see slaves. They did not, not see a slave, or they did not see a, they didn't see a, plant, a plantation, but they reaped the benefits through sugar and things like that, and cotton, cotton clothes. Um, cotton clothes, um, yeah. So, well, Manchester isn't it? Manchester and Liverpool and those mm-hmm. places were. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there were slave, there were slaves in this country, but not not to the numbers in comparison to the to the Americas and the Caribbean. Mm. Um, but yeah, Liverpool, Manchester, Glasgow was the merchant city. Mm. Um, tobacco merchants, mm. if you had a smoking habit in the 18th century, you got it from Glasgow. Mm. Um, yeah, all those. It's it's mad how divorced that is. And if there was a link to here, I would not be surprised. <laughs> but if there was a link to here, I'd want to know. I'd, I'd finally want to know. <laughs> the dodgy deal. Because North, Northamptonshire has a history embedded in colonialism and colonial exploitation through slavery. And there might be other links as well. Mm-hmm. Northampton, All Saints Church, on the top of it, there's a statue of Charles II, who was the, one of the main leaders of the Royal Africa Company, which was the largest slave trading company in the history of the slave trade. No way. The monarchy, like the monarchy, started this all, and then oh, yeah, let's not, not even start. Not, so yeah, we'd have to go. We have to yeah. So if not, Northampton has links. Let's expose it and educate people on it. Mm. Essentially, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to take these. I don't. I don't want to remove these places mm. because there are a lot of people who do want to remove these places, but I don't. I quite like these sorts of places. I like the parks, but take responsibility. Yes, exactly. Um, National Trust are doing some stuff. And they've been criticised for it as well mm. by people. Like National Trust, as an institution, have been looking into um, uh, their slave trade links and colonial links. I've seen a bit of that. I think um, they've tweeted about yeah. it and stuff, haven't um, they? One of their people, I think, is Professor Corin um, Fowler, I think. Um, is She's had abuse online from people. She's a, I think she's an academic at Leicester, and she's, doing, she's been doing research on it. And that, that's her. That's her field. But the abuse online has been—it's been ridiculous. Daily Mail, the, the usual rubbish. The Daily Mail. <laughs> um, but yeah, <laughs> but um, yeah, take, just take responsibility. Educate people on it. I think a lot of people would like to know if they If we have, if we have, if we're complicit in it, we want. We'd want to know. Mm. Um, and then you can. Then you can. Then you have the tools to challenge as well. 
Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Drop the mic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thinking about, so kind of on the same the mm-hmm. track as, as we've been talking mm-hmm. about, obviously a new generation of, you know, there's a huge student population here. Yeah. You know, I think it was 10,000 students at the uni. Mm-hmm. You know better than me. <laughs> I think when I worked there, I think it was around 14, but I'm not sure what it yeah. is now. How do you think um, the university students should be interacting or could be I, mean, I think should's the wrong word, could be interacting um, with this space. Majority of black students, well, not just black students, but um, black, Asian and ethnic minority students, international students as well. Many of them come from countries or have heritages derived from countries where places like this benefited f- with the reaps of the money that was made during colonialism. So I know, like, take, take, um, take a country like India, for example, I know... Northampton has a lot of Indian students, um, in students from Pakistan and also from China. All of those countries were once British colonies. Pakistan was created out of colonialism, out of the partition of India. Um, so if a place like this had links, that would be a good project to link, get international students engaged here. And that has a shared history between Britain and India um, and Pakistan. So that would be one way to do it. And when you look at the majority of students there, it is black students, black and brown students. And that is quite an eerie feeling when they may not be from those countries themselves, but their parents probably are, or their grandparents maybe. Um, like my grandparents are, from, are not from Britain, they're from the Caribbean. <clears throat> so that would be a way to do it. I think, I, think that's just, I think that's one way to look at it. Mm. But just to show students there's another side to what Northampton is, because I think a lot of people in Northampton do slag it off quite a lot, <laughs> yeah. and, and they, sh- they shouldn't, because I think it's what you make it's what you make of it yourself. And I, do, I know a lot of students are from London where a lot of things are on their doorstep, and everything is given to them. Mm-hmm. But here, in outside of a city, you sort of have to make your own fun a little bit. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, I grew up here, I don't have a problem with that. Yeah. Um, but the people who come from cities where things are on your doorstep... Um, you sort of have to go out and look for it. Mm. That's quite, I think that's quite interesting and exciting, but I think, stu- I think to have someone tell students that, and that will be not university has to know its community, which they don't at the same time. I don't think they've put enough effort into engaging with local communities. Mm. Um, so that would be another way. That would be another thing to do. Mm. Yeah, and that's, that's really important. I think, mm. you know, part of the conversation that I wanted to have today mm-hmm. was really about this because, yeah. you know, we can sit and talk about what a lovely, you know, what a lovely architecture this mm-hmm. is and how we've got some lovely green space right in the centre of yeah. Northampton and isn't it nice to be able to walk around and, yeah. you know, quite surface level. And mm-hmm. and that's where I'm coming from, yeah. from my position of privilege. Like, I, this is what I see it as and I recognise the, the class issue, yeah. but I certainly it's not in the forefront of my mind how it yeah. it can make people feel. Yeah. And if we're talking about well-being mm. and the well-being of our community, then, you know, these areas need to be discussed and yeah. they need to be actioned. Mm. Yeah. I mean, from an anti-racism point of view, this place will probably... you find find some skeleton somewhere of link to clothes. It doesn't have to be in, from a black perspective. It might, could be from an Asian perspective as well. You might find links with Ireland, for example. Um, as Ireland was the first, I think it was the first British colony. And because it worked so well in Ireland, they basically went out and did it everywhere, mm. essentially. 
Um, and yeah, so that would be a way to get Northampton as a town engaging with the national, more national conversation on colonialism, but also from a class perspective. This is not a rich town no, at all. No, it's not. Addressing class his historic class, his working class history would be quite good with the historians at, North at the university. And then that way you engage in students as well. I know history students would be interested mm. in this. Sociology students would be interested in this. Mm. Um, even English literature students would be interested in this, I think, because this place like this, think of, I think of Jane Austen. <laughs> like, like, well, like, when I hear, see people watch places like this with the, the, with the grounds and that sort of thing mm. and for students that are interested in, in those sorts of books these are the sorts of places that these books are based on and take what you want from, from that as well <laughs> um, and when you read Jane Austen books she doesn't talk about anything like to do with like inequality or, mm. or racism or anything like that um, but she does tell you how great everything is and like Everyone's gone on a little Johnny. Let's go on a little walk around the grounds and that sort of thing. Um, yeah. But characters like Darcy and Elizabeth Bennet, like they didn't just get rich overnight. Like they were, the money that they that they have, that their families have, came from only could only exist because of inequalities that were happening around them. So, but Jane Austen won't tell you that because she wants to she wants to pay an image of England, and this is the image that in. English. This wholesome English mm. kind of, Like yeah. this green and pleasant land. And that's the, that's the England we, we portray overseas as well. So when you talk to American people about England, they will tell you about Downton Abbey and, and the crown and that, so, and that sort I of stuff. I do love watching those yeah, shows. Yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> They're my guilty but, pleasure. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, um, yeah, getting students involved will be imperative because it's 10,000, 13,000, 12,000 students at the mm. university, I think, post-COVID. Heavily black students and brown students and international students. I think there'll come a point when white students are the minority. Mm. Uh, I was going to ask uh, you, do you know the percentages of I think when I left, it was heading towards half mm. were from a BAME background. But I wasn't, I'm not sure if that does include internationals or not, or if international students is as a separate mm. demographic. Is that, is that usual in a university setting? Um, it, dep it depends on the university. I know here... Hertfordshire and De Montfort have quite heavy um, black, and eight, black and minority ethnic populations. Um, but then you go to University of Birmingham and it's, all, it's basically white because mm -hmm. it's, it's a Russell Group um, university. But then you go to Birmingham City and very multicultural. And I know Newman, the other university in Birmingham, is also qu um, quite diverse as well. Mm -hmm. um, and Aston as well, which is also in Birmingham, mm -hmm. um, another uh, diverse a population. But yeah, it depends on the university, really. Mm. Um, that, that's, yeah, Northampton's it's quite, it's right in the middle of everything. It's an hour from Birmingham and an hour from London. So you, you, you get the, you get the, you get, you're at the crossroads. So veering away from students mm -hmm. and uh, uh, sort of young people mm -hmm. and to talk more broadly about um, your own well-being, yeah. um, I'm asking people for their tips of how to look after themselves. Oh, God. <laughs> I think do stuff that you used to like, but don't do it anymore because people have told you that um, you have to grow up. <laughs> you, you don't have to grow up. That's a lie. <laughs> don't, don't take all that. Like, do things you used to do as a kid. That's the headline of this episode. Yeah. <laughs> don't grow up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, childhood as a, is constructed. It doesn't actually exist. So do things that you used to do when you were younger 
that you don't do now because some someone told you that being an adult was great, <laughs> essentially. Um, and one of the things I did when I was um, a young child, I used to play Lego Star Wars. I was I loved it so much. <laughs> So I bought it during the lockdown on Xbox 360, and I've been playing it since in the lockdown, <laughs> and I love it. So, so yeah, just, it's just little things like that. Do things that you used to do, but don't do it anymore, because someone told you that you're not supposed, you're supposed to do more grown-up things. And you, yeah, so that's what I'd tell people. I remember um, we do a street, a street party mm-hmm. on my street every summer, and we decided to get some games for the children. Yeah. And we got some chalk and we did, um, I don't even know what it's called, hopscotch. Yeah. Uh, and the adults were mm. all over it. <laughs> <laughs> the adults were there throwing and hopping and doing all this stuff. And yeah. it was just funny to see people play because adults don't play anymore. Yeah. We're just not mm. encouraged to, are we? Mm. I think COVID has shown people what matters, I think. And I think a lot of people have, have lived not knowing who their neighbours are. Luckily where I live, we knew we quite good with our neighbours and we know each other's names and everything. But I know a lot of people don't, not always because they don't like their neighbours, but just because people don't talk to each other. Um, and I think that was really, that's another thing that's been important as well, that COVID made people communicate mm. um, because you actually have to rely on your neighbours sometimes, if you're, it, especially if you're living alone. Uh, people that lived alone, if you got COVID, that's that's basically it. You can't you can't leave your house for fourteen days. Yeah. So you need to, you needed your neighbours basically to go shopping for you and that sort of thing. I could talk to you forever mm-hmm. because you're so interesting and so intelligent and insightful and really generous with your time and your expertise. So I really appreciate talking to you today. If people wanted to find out more about you, how do they do that? Well, you can follow social media. So at Trey Ventil, Ed which is, uh, so T-R-E-V-E-N-T-O-U-R-E-D. Um, and that's across Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Or you can go to the web- my website, which is treyventor.com. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. Thank you, Trey, and I look forward to seeing you again soon. Yeah, you too. Wow, I don't know about you all, but I definitely learned some stuff. Every time I speak to Trey, I learn something new. He's so knowledgeable, passionate, oh, generous with his time and his expertise. What a joy to have that conversation and a really important conversation to have. I think it would be really remiss of us when we're talking about well-being to only think about the positives. And actually, we need to think about, you know, heritage sites like Delapri and how they negatively impact our community and why that is and do some stuff to actually fix it. And I'm really hoping that Delapri can take forward some of the suggestions that Trey's made about looking into its history and doing some history projects. Please go and follow Trey, uh, check out his website, go and follow him on social media, give him all the love and support because he is an incredible human. If you enjoyed this episode, please like and share it and look out for further episodes in this series. Mm -hmm.